0: Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh... Let's get ready
1: to rumble
2: Welcome to Opera Box Score. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, and wherever you are, however you're listening. Thanks for joining us. We are America's talk radio show about opera, period. No one talks with you week in, week out about opera like we do. And what's more, on our show, you get to have your say live on the air. Call us on 847-866-WNUR. That's 847-866-9687. Or you can leave us a message on 224-219-9BOX. Again, 224 219 9 9269 nine. you get to sound off on our chalk talk segment you can show off by taking our opera pop quiz and you can piss people off by handing out letter grades to review a performance you've seen in our monday evening quarterback segment well the planets have aligned and everyone's in the house tonight oliver camacho I tobias wright Giovanna to right, jacques awesome are all alive in studio it. and on tonight's show we tackle the nastiest four-letter word in opera land and that's the word diva We break down what the word really means, we examine what defines the stereotypical diva, and we ask if such types really exist in opera today. Plus, in 15 minutes, I've got all your opera headlines. And at the bottom of the hour, Oliver rocks you with our pop quiz. Now, since the Metropolitan Opera is about to broadcast Richard Strauss's Elektra live in HD, we're jumping on the bandwagon. Just by listening, can you identify which operas are by Strauss and which ones are not? Stick around to see who's smarter-er, Tobias or Giovanna. Let's do this. We're live. No edits, no filters. Kickoff is next. Keep it locked right here, right now. WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago. Opera box score.
0: listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques.
2: Welcome to Opera Box Score. Welcome to Monday Night. I can't believe all four of us are in this house.
3: It's crazy. We should take a selfie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What what more could be well with the world? Oliver Camacho, how the heck are you?
3: I'm great. It's nice to see you in the flesh.
4: Good
2: to see you, buddy. As you
3: can see how Oliver's dressed, but he looks in tip-top shape. I'm... (laughs) Dapper, I
2: hardly
4: know her.
3: He looks like he's a southern
4: <laughs> all right, gentleman.
2: All right,
3: all
5: right,
2: Now, and uh, who's to your right over there, Oliver? Could that be Tobias Wright? There's
4: two tenors in this room. I don't know how we survive. It's going to oh be, oh be a beautiful goodness. thing tonight. It's going to be so beautiful. And Toby uh, is wearing a, t- a really low neck, B neck T-shirt, uh-huh. so I could basically see his navel, so... <laughs>
2: if anybody's curious, this he's, taking, that a, looks he's like. taking a page Check out of the, Facebook uh, later. <laughs> Exactly. He's taking a page out of the Marius Kvitschian uh, yeah, exactly. School of Design. <laughs> and lest we not forget Giovanna Jacques. Giovanna Hello. Jacques. You mean
4: Giovanna Jacques. Exactly. <laughs> Giovanna
2: Jacques. <laughs> well, let's, let's get this going right here, right now with our Chalk Talk segment. Uh, the four-letter word that I spoke about in the intro was diva. And this is a very loaded word here in opera land. And I think it has a lot of bad connotations. And I want to try and figure out if those are really deserved, if such people exist anymore. But can we start, Oliver, perhaps with some sort of a a definition of this word? You know, where did it come from? Did did it mean something originally that it doesn't mean now? What do I need to know?
4: Well, it's the Italian word for goddess. Uh, It, you know, comes from, like, the... Dei, or like it's, you know, like, if you look at the Latin root, it's like it comes from God. And, uh, you know, there was a I time... I can't
5: believe you looked at me for confirmation yeah. on that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do but my research on this. Thanks. But, I am flattered. But
4: I'm assuming it, it, it comes from, you know, the idol, 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 ad, idolation? idolization, uh, idolization, idolization. Adulation of opera singers who were, you know, the stars of entertainment uh, from, you know, the times when there was no radio and no movies and no TV. People went to the theater, and the highest form of theater uh, was opera. And the performers, the singers, who you know commanded the stage, and for who sold the most tickets, and who you know had the most vocal prowess, uh, were dubbed you know the 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 divas uh, of the art. And um, actually, being a prima donna and being a primo uomo is a term that was given to uh, you know members of the cast based on. Uh, what assignment they had, what role assignment they had, and there were, you know, opera composers like Handel, who were definitely composing for, you know, prime donne and prime...
2: Now, has prima donna and diva basically come to mean the same thing, yeah, do you think? Exactly.
4: I think mm-hmm. this word has sort of evolved into like this pejorative, you know, not.
2: But it didn't start out as pejorative.
4: Exactly. Right. Exactly.
3: There that wasn't that the negative connotation thing. that we had. Yeah, have today. it was a good thing. It was more like, oh, this is a, someone who's got a lot of talent and who's really got a command of the stage. And now today it's someone who's. Finicky and annoying and... and nobody drives to work with.
2: Yeah, right.
5: exactly. It's, it's then, no good to be called a diva. Exactly. A thing, so yeah. what are
2: those stereotypes that we're looking at for diva? Giovanna, you outlined a couple. What else would be on since your list?
5: Since you are...
2: Uh, you're yeah. closest <laughs> Thank to you, have.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. I would say just you know, not being considerate of your uh, colleagues on stage... Mm. Uh, wanting more than really you might deserve from a company, um, needing all the attention to be on you at all times, um, paying more attention to how you look than how it how you artistically fit into the story. Um, that's really what it means today. But again, I, I, I in in the opera world itself with with opera connoisseurs, I mean, I don't really think of it as a bad term so well, much. I I think
5: amongst my colleagues, well, okay, let me. How would I say this? How would I phrase this? In my upbringing in the musical world, which I'm still relatively young. You're just a
4: baby. I'm just
5: a, I'm just a little guy. <laughs> but uh, it's always been a negative thing. Um, and I think, kind of to go off what you were saying, Giovanna, there's, more than anything, it's a, a general unawareness of those around you.
3: Exactly, um, yeah. And
5: really putting mm-hmm. your problem, making your problems worse than what they are yeah or and where i've seen being
3: really dramatic essentially
5: uh, yeah and where i uh, you know i've been pretty lucky and i think a lot of us have that, that i've not you know witnessed too many things amongst my actual colleagues or uh shows that i've been a part of but when i have you know in a rehearsal space it's really interesting because i feel like everyone gets really tense and yeah. is like whoa do you realize what you're doing right now to the person who's being the quote-unquote diva right. divo
4: in in the american conservatory system uh, I think it's part of our education, where you always hear, like in your studio classes, and then you know from your professors, or whatever. Don't do this. Don't act this way because you won't yeah. get hired. You yeah, know? yeah. Takes, and that's where the attitude comes out. Yeah, it's a, like a
5: self-preservation. Yeah, but well, you might keep you probably... killing everyone else. The competition around you. is
3: so fierce <laughs> nowadays, anyhow, that people don't want to work. Like, no matter how much talent you have, you also have to have a good personality these days to work in. Right. You know, well, the told, cream rises. And
5: I told George a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, the best advice I ever received. Had nothing to do with technique. It was know your music, be a good colleague. Yeah. Period.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's okay because you're a tenor, as that's enough for a tenor. Yeah. <laughs> but, for, yeah. but for sopranos, you have to be the best in the room. So, yeah, that's right. Right. well, true. guys, yeah. I'm going home.
5: Have yeah. a good day. I do
3: feel like, I do feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but I do feel like the word is changing a little bit. And once you say, oh, yeah, she's a diva, like she's she's on top of her game. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. I recently heard someone say, like, oh, and this is a good thing for everyone who's listening but someone was like oh Janae Bridges is like the perfect diva in the sense that she's glamorous she's a good colleague she's an amazing singer she's winning awards here and there she's like
4: an athlete she looks like a triathlon like, or something yeah, like Exactly. that yeah.
3: she's a winner yeah. in the opera she's world she's
4: the winner we need to win more let's make yeah. America great again yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly we've <laughs> I, I doubt um, she'd agree with that slogan yeah. <laughs> we've described Renee Fleming I think as, as the people's diva is she called yeah. that or the American diva and I don't think people are saying she's a pain in the ass although maybe Renee Fleming is a pain in the ass, I I don't know. I've Are never met to say her. Ass on the we can, we can no. You okay. can you we can, can say, say ass in that sort of context. Lost. I will say Game this is that. <laughs> Divas and bad behavior in the rehearsal room drives directors like me up the wall. I remember being a, a personal assistant to a director at the Met, and there was a singer. It was a tenor, as a matter of fact, Oliver and Tobias. Surprise! Surprise!
3: Who mm. the director
2: would say to him, uh, "Hey, look, so you know you're going to enter from upstage right. You cross downstage center. You hop up, you know, onto the bed, and you sing your first line up there." And he would just be like, "No, I'm not going to do that." Really. And it was like, okay, well, because you're you, then you apparently believe that you get to say that. So where is this line when people have a certain amount of clout, power, presence, star recognition? This guy was uh, definitely a star. Uh, where, I mean, where do you draw the line there? Like, what's the line of argument you can take with that? I well, don't
3: think there is a line, I don't, Yeah. Well, I don't
2: think there's a line. I think it's a personality issue more than what is yeah. actually
5: acceptable. Here's and the I don't thing. Think there are ever, so
3: many singers nowadays that that guy, whoever that was, there's somebody better probably, tomorrow. Well,
5: if he's at the mat. There
3: there's are, somebody I mean, there, better There tomorrow. are still
4: singers out there that are, you know, uh, marquee singers that have displayed... Diva or Devo antics, yeah, and there are many stories out there and it's, they're not hard to find if you go like on parterre or something like that, one of these um you know bloggers that really spill the beans about some of this stuff that but we're not we're not that yeah but you you can find those stories out there pretty Oliver, have
3: so. you ever experienced diva-ness from Wait, an audience here's the thing
4: i I actually say like I am more on the production side of things than I am on the stage I mean I've been on stage a couple of times, but my career has been mainly you know being backstage. And I would like to think that because I'm a good manager, I know how to nip that stuff in the bud. And you see mm-hmm. it in the rehearsal process. You see it when the cast first meets each other and you know who's going to need certain types of attention and and just how to coddle them and how to reassure them that they're valued or that they're wanted or whatever their insecurities are, are okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe I've been lucky in that I recognize that behavior early and I know how to you know, try to mitigate whatever is going to happen. Yes, it still comes out. But uh, as far... And I think that maybe George people who work in production, people who work your type of job, even conductors, might need to learn, like have to, might need to like have some kind of like HR training or something like that, you know, like opera HR for how to how to manage singers. Cause like because I'm also a singer, I know what I need to hear. I know what reassurances, you know, make me feel calmer. And there are like amazing talents out there who maybe don't have like a solid technique or maybe don't have solid acting skills and they're so subconscious of it. And it does really come out like this I'm being a jerk. You know, Honestly,
3: like a, though, that just sounds like a personal problem. Like, that's something that they need to deal I, with. I don't feel no, like Javanna. there should be an HR training to deal <laughs> with uh, an artist. But you I know? think I this sort of
2: it's, diva behavior that we're talking about, it does come from a place of fear. I mean, you have to understand that right, all performing artists, say. actors, singers, these are all people who basically spend their entire lives... uh as highly emotional people living in a constant state of anxiety. And they're and high stress. Exactly. High stress. And that comes out in the worst possible way in bad behavior in front of a lot of people and opera is nothing if not an art form where there are so many people in that room and no conversation is private and people it brings out the worst in people.
4: And I'll tell you what, I, there are directors that are divas too. I've worked with that. How dare you. <laughs> <laughs> where you could tell that they came into the process thinking that they're, they were going to ride on their talent just the way singers do and then you realize in the process they don't know the material they don't Oof. know the score, and then they start making unnecessary demands, and they start you know making everybody frustrated, and they they put the singers to their paces, and start calling the singers out on how can we don't know this word, how can we know this rhythm or whatever. And it's clear that it's the director or the conductor or whoever who's mm-hmm. being the diva. That's the one who's being insecure and trying to deflect. You know, that's interesting. You still haven't answered
3: yeah. my question, Oliver. Yeah, I mean,
4: um, yeah, I've seen lots of diva behavior from the audience perspective. I mean, the one that really sticks out the most is my dear beloved beautiful kathleen battle who is an artist that i care about so so much uh her career is like during my formative years like in the and nerds uh when i was you know in school I i followed everything that she did and um yeah and i heard her sing a couple of recitals where just her behavior was appalling you know where you know she almost like blame the accompanist for her missing an entrance. You know, she would stop in the middle of a piece and turn around and like recompose herself and then glare at the pianist. Really? And then, yeah. Like, just like, and it was clear that she was one that made the mistake and the whole audience was not, you know, nobody thought that the pianist made a mistake. It was clearly yes. her, but she, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. But I mean, I think that she is also one of the people that live where she walked the high, the, the tightrope her whole career mm-hmm. and it started yeah. to fall apart near the end. And Yeah, I mean, she was known for perfection, and it's hard to be perfect all the time, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it's
3: a lot of stress. What about
4: you guys? You guys are in the game right now. You're youngins, you know. Spring chickens. (laughs) Tell
5: us, Toby. (laughs) I think I'm pretty lucky. I will say, where I see diva come out, it's not outside of the show and in rehearsal. It's it's during the show, and it seems to always happen in very similar moments. If somebody's got a costume change, I swear. People turn into monsters. Yeah, it's and ridiculous. And I'm like, whoa, no matter how fast you run, how gross and ugly you act toward everyone, it's really still only going to take you 30 seconds to t- change your darn dress, and somebody's going to be there to help you. So, like, why well, do you need to shove your somebody suit, out of the way? Or your suit, I would why, add. Or whatever. Yeah, well, I just, I'm, I'm picturing I have, like, three women in mind that I've seen this happen with in three different productions. That's
3: funny because all of the ones that I've had happen to well, all of them. Two of three are men.
5: Here
2: we go.
3: But I mean, like so. running off
5: stage and like get out of my <laughs> way, I gotta go. It's like whoa, isn't even in any way like
3: yeah. calm
5: thyself. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing too, you know, when I say it's a high stress job, if you're freaking out that much, no way you're focused on your craft or task at hand that is to sing successfully. So I, in my mind, it's like why waste your energy and and lose your focus on something yeah. like that? Yeah. Tell me about your evil Devo men. Also, there yeah. is a book called Devo. And yeah. it is interviews. It's with about the band from the 80s. Right? <laughs> Check That's it out.
3: Funny. He's
2: too young to get it, Oliver. I Yeah. It's Oliver yeah.
4: Francisco Riza talks about how to sing Mozart versus Rossini and that. So, yes.
3: Yeah. Um, I. Wrap it
4: up,
2: Jojo. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to name
3: names, obviously, but it's just it is very much in the high stress moments that it comes out the most. I've rarely witnessed it in the actual singing. I've witnessed it behind the scenes, you know, in preparation or before they go on stage the first time, and they're very snippy or rude or you know, God forbid, you're blocking kind of their way just a little bit, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. I mean, it's no big deal, but. I've, I have been fortunate as well. In, in the end,
4: we it. all have the same goal. We want to put out a great product. Yeah. We want to sing well. We want to hit our, our marks, you know, uh, all those things. So if, if we could just understand that there are the people who act that way, if you could just help them be what they need to be in that usually moment, they'll behave. You know? And then,
5: so, and, and so we're looking at this from a performer's perspective, witnessing it. And I think that's where you, it's a little more prevalent is right. amongst that. And I always just try to think, you know what, what's that person like outside of rehearsal? Right. And generally speaking, People aren't crappy, right. no. You know those people who have those moments are not awful, but people. if
4: there are a lot of people on stage and in the pit or wherever who are insecure, all this stuff starts to come out. Yeah.
2: Well, you get your chance to sound off on this show. Email us at operaboxcore at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at Opera Box Score:
4: We're getting catch:
0: <laughs> This just in the two-minute drill.
2: Time for the fastest headlines and opera news. Everything you need to know from the past week in two minutes tops. Francesco Anile got to make his Metropolitan Opera debut in a t-shirt, blue jeans, and sneakers with five minutes notice. The 54-year-old Italian tenor was in the green room during the last act of Saturday's performance of Verdi's Othello, which was being broadcast on radio throughout the world from the Metropolitan Opera, when he was told that the tenor was sick and unable to sing the title role in the fourth act. There was no time to get in costume for Attila's entrance ahead of the final scene, so Anile put on a black cape and stood on the edge of stage right above the orchestra pit while the tenor acted the role and mouthed the words. Sebastian Weigel will replace James Levine in the Met's production of Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier next season. Washington National Opera will present three complete cycles of Wagner's Ring Cycle this month, ten years after the project was first begun. The artistic director, Francesca Zambello, has directed all four of the operas in the cycle and now believes the company is ready to pour in $10 million needed to put them all on stage together. Romania's Opera House has apologized after a third show this week was canceled at short notice and warned the public to expect more turmoil as it was wracked by a bitter dispute involving the opera's administration, orchestra, and ballet company. David Dequera, the retiring artistic director of Michigan Opera Theater, has set an ambitious goal to get a declaration of pledges that add up to $50 million. It's the largest campaign in the organization's history since raising $62 million over 15 years when the new Detroit Opera House opened in 96. As we taped our show last week, we heard then-unconfirmed but now sadly known to be accurate reports of the death at age 50 of Brian Asawa, a dazzling American countertenor. 3 years after a 1991 debut in San Francisco, he became the first countertenor to win Plácido Domingo's Operalia competition, and that's the 2-minute drill. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Whether you're allergic to opera or you're a devoted fan, our show is for you. We tackle the week's opera headlines and body slam them into a sports radio setup. The result 60 minutes of play by play analysis, exclusive interviews, and scandalous opinions, plus the heroes, villains, and stats from this crazy art form that we love and love to complain about. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9
0: on WNUR. Listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques.
2: Welcome back to WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago. We're streaming live at WNUR.org/slash pop-up. We are Opera Box Score. Oliver Camacho, that was the two-minute drill. What tickled your fancy?
4: I'm sure we're all gonna talk about the same thing, but um, this guy coming out to sing the last act of otello on a met radio broadcast and that's his met debut how scary is that i mean i was actually listening to the first act i was going to rehearsal and i thought that uh and alexander's wasn't sounding so great but mm-hmm. it wasn't a surprise to me i didn't think he was going to like not finish the concert you know or the the opera but uh yeah i mean amazing congratulations to him but that would be so scary. You're like sitting there. It's like, oh, you know, it was kind of interesting. I would have
3: so many stress poops. Yeah, for
4: sure. <laughs> I was uh, just reading a little bit about it when
5: after it had happened, and one of the things he said, he's like, "Yeah, it's my job. I don't get nervous." He's like, "I sing. This is my career." But I, I you know, it said that when he he had five minutes to prepare, mm-hmm. there was no costume. Five minutes isn't really long enough to warm up. And I don't know if you warm up. For that
4: voice type? Yeah, for dramatic tenor who sings Othello. Yeah.
5: You got to be driving that car for a little bit before you, you know, you go. Well,
4: the hardest thing, I think, was in the third act. There's like that song uh, that's like all E, 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 Mm E. I think that's the end of the third act, if I'm mistaken. So, act four is really the the death scene for right. Desdemona so, and, and his suicide or whatever. So.
5: Still, though, to go on wearing your tennis shoes yeah. and blue jeans and a yeah. cape. Yeah.
2: Tobias Wright, are yes. you going to agree with Oliver? You got a different take on a two-minute drill.
5: <laughs> um, that did stick out to me. Um, also, the Washington National Opera, three rings in a month. Is that
4: what? That's possible. There's four weeks in a month. Well, well, yeah. no, no. no, no, no but, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Guys. The, run, the run
5: is like the run is like. No, what I was night, so. what I was getting at is the budget to do that. That's oh, incredible! Yeah, suppose, like ten million dollars. Ten million dollars for a a, yeah. a production. Well, I mean, obviously, the ring is more than a single production. But you think about that to do that. So in that one month, that ten million for their budget, it mm-hmm. immediately puts them ahead of like what. 80% of the opera companies in the United States as far as
2: budget goes. It's yeah. disgusting. I could do it for way less. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm seriously, I'm just telling you right
5: It's now, still cheaper
4: than campaigning uh, for a political election You know, yeah, for a very month. True. You know, but so. you know what?
5: Trump's done it all himself, and I really, really appreciate that about him. <laughs> I can't believe and I think this. I think yeah. that he's he's a self-made man. You don't want he to is. get George I mean, he's good on politics. He's good he's at business. Pull, he's good scrammer. at everything. He's
4: good Anybody at marriages. He's, good at, he's, good, <laughs> he's at his... good at words. Yeah.
5: Guys, you guys He's
4: really good have. at being if presidential. If there's
5: yeah. anyone still listening after yeah. my comment, that yeah. was not... I do yeah. not support
2: Donald Trump for
3: president.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Giovanni Jacques. You Actually, the t- one that
3: t- stood out to me was the Romanian Opera House canceling shows because of disputes within the management. And I think that that's a real shame. I don't think that we should let politics get in the way of, you know, the performance schedule.
2: It's a huge mess. I didn't put too much detail into that little clip, but it's basically like somebody retired from the music staff. They were uh, married to one of the, like, lead ballerinas, so then the ballerina quit, and then the ballet company got upset, so then the orchestra got involved, and it's just, those Romanians, you can't trust them. (laughs) So, wait, it's not
5: at all... It's not like uh, where we you know, avoided a strike at the Met with uh, union deals or anything like that. This is just people's feelings are hurt.
2: He's it's basically, and it's yeah.
3: a different system in terms of unions, too.
2: Do you know more about that? that I you don't.
3: Can ex- I just know that it's not the same system okay. as here.
2: I don't know if they have unions in Romania. Something
4: tells me probably not. They have vampires, right? Yes.
3: Aren't those? Oh, yeah, uh, those are Romanian.
4: Yeah. Uh the views of George Cedarquist do not reflect the views of, of the vampire uh, community. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, well, I mean the Romanian community. We here's have some a, Romanian listeners, I'm sure. Here's yeah, what's actually. interesting about
2: the Sebastian Vigel replacing James Levine at the Met, which is that uh so he's at Frankfurt Opera, he's been there for years. Uh I mean he is booked probably for like the next five to seven years. So there's no way this guy is gonna be a long term replacement at the Met. But isn't oh, yeah, that what they need? The and stuff like that. He's yeah. He's doing the Cavalier, but don't they really need like a long-term solution? I think
4: they probably were courting people, and they just were telling people with their, you know, to, for the next season before James Levine announced announced his retirement, we're going to need some people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I suspect I, I'm voting for Yannick Nazis again to take over the post because he's gay and he's pocket-sized, and uh, <laughs> so it has nothing yeah. to do
2: with. You're going to put him in
4: your handbag? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. He's just so adorable.
5: But th- mm. is th- it? W- how is he as a conductor? Oh, I think it's okay.
4: Okay, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> good enough. enough to take over for enough. The Met. He's swell. He's real swell. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, let us know what you think at Opera Box Score on Twitter. Also, Opera at gmail.com. And Americans
4: st- will get so good at that at that nasalized vowel. It's
2: like, "Ah It's very true.
4: ah.
3: Yeah, I think it's time to go to the PSA. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're going to step aside for one second, come back with the pop
0: quiz. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Pop quiz. Oh, boy. Oh, well. This is going to get ugly. I've got a bad feeling.
3: <laughs> I know. It's... The two, like, biggest idiots in this Was room. Was my <laughs>
2: microphone on when I just looked across the studio and said, I know nothing about this. <gasps> At least <laughs> you didn't swear, Tobias. Uh, right. Oliver on, Macho Camacho you, has devised the pop quiz this yeah, week. And I, I made a quiz
4: he- that is, like, medium difficulty. So we'll see how medium is medium here. Uh, but... Uh, on Saturday, the final HD broadcast of the season from the Met is Strauss's Electra, which has been receiving rave reviews. It's the Patrice Chiraud production starring Nina Stema and uh, I forget her name, Adriana Penichkova or Peshnova. Pech- I forget her name. It's one of those names with lots of consonants in it. She's probably not coming on the show, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's our interview guest. So I thought, you know, since Strauss is such a chameleon and since he has like so many different composing styles, can we identify? what is a Strauss opera when it's juxtaposed with another composer writing in their style. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hear three different clips. And um, sometimes Strauss sounds like this person. Sometimes Strauss sounds like this person. And, you know, Strauss, the beginning of his career, he was with the modernists and the, I guess they called expressionists. I'm not sure. But, you know, his music was out there. It was like very, very uh, on the cutting edge. But then he realized that he loved tunes, you know, and he, you know, there was a renaissance of romanticism in his, in his music and he got extra romantic. He's like romantic deluxe, you know, later mm-hmm. on in his career. Uh, we're going to start uh, with... Maybe
5: what's going to happen is after I fail yeah. so miserably yeah. at this, yeah. I'll go home and listen to some Strauss. You'll we'll probably yeah, yeah. learn something,
2: Tobias. That's kind of the point, right?
4: So we're going <laughs> to listen um, to six clips in total, but we'll take them two at a time. And uh, Giovanna and Tobias will, uh, you know... Tell me whether or not they think it's Strauss. And they get extra points if they can identify what Strauss it is. They get an extra point if they can identify the other composer. And, of course, an extra point if they can identify the work of the other composer. See so you in, on the other side, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so in total, each round has four points. possible. Okay. That's exactly you know? right. I'm going to keep the How tally many rounds here. Are
2: there? I have it. You've got okay. it there. How okay. many rounds
4: are there? Three rounds. Okay. There's three rounds. Okay. And so for you interest of clarity, so
2: let's 12. listen to the, the whole clips. Yeah? Yeah.
4: So okay. we're listening to the first two clips uh, put together.
5: Okay, really quick before we yes. go. Yeah. So there's 12 total points N- possible.
4: Yes. So I'm
5: gonna set the over under at five. <laughs> okay. George, what are you taking, over or under? Uh, and, and this is a this is a total score combined. Me and Giovanna. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'll go. I'll go under.
4: Okay. Ouch. Uh, yeah, okay. Exactly. All, All right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Gambling. <laughs> Okay, so that was the easy round. <laughs>
5: okay, I'm ready. Okay.
4: Um, so let's start first. Strauss or not Strauss, Tobias? Definitely Strauss. Wait, wait, the first, which clip?
3: The first clip. The, the first. first clip?
4: Okay, so you're saying the first clip was Strauss, yes. and you're saying the first clip was Strauss. No. You're I'm saying,
3: saying I don't think it was Strauss.
4: Okay, so you're saying the second clip was Strauss. Yeah. Okay.
2: So Giovanna okay. and Tobias are opposite
4: here. Yeah, they are. That's good. Can you identify either of the works? No. Okay. Can you nope. identify other words? Nope. Okay. Can you identify either of the composers?
2: No, but the
3: first one sounded French.
4: Okay. Um, so the first clip was... Was Strauss. The first clip was Strauss. Thank right. you, George. That was the duet from the first act of Arabella between mm. Arabella and her sisters Denka. Okay. Mm. And um, the second clip was the famous evening prayer from Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel. Oh. That oh. oh. uh, yeah. was Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel, <laughs> Hansel and Gretel, Gretel was composed in 1893... And Strauss actually uh, conducted Hansel and Gretel. And to me... Okay, the, so it
3: still counts. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but To <laughs> me, it's so clear that Strauss was borrowing this kind of yeah. prayer-like, you know, duet between siblings. Uh, and this the, the characters of Zdenka and Arabella are siblings as well. S- and do
5: you want to know how I identified the yes, first absolutely. one? Yeah, how did you know? Well, here's how I knew. It was actually... It's just practicality because I was like, there's no way we're going to do a Strauss quiz and they won't play Strauss first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as you could see. Um, <laughs> I win. Um, Thank you, Master. Hans- Hansel and Gretel
4: was composed in 1893, just before the turn of the century, and Arabella was composed in 1933. So, almost 40 full years later. Uh Strauss was taking that same idiom, that very romantic idiom, and just expanding upon it. It was like so dripping wet with mm-hmm. you know romanticism.
3: Oh, fail, Giovanna. Yeah.
4: I thought you were holding up your your phone, like shazamming it. Like I, mean, <laughs> I don't have it? my phone. No, I'm just
3: kidding. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so in the first recording we had we heard uh Lisa Della Casa and Hilda Gudin in the Schulte recording. And the second clip was Barbara Boni and Anne Sophie von Otter, uh, conducted by Jeffrey Tate. Uh let's take a break now and we'll come back uh
2: for the quiz after we, we should push on. Oh, we should push on. Okay, yeah. I lied. Okay, and then we'll take a break. All right, for the, for the decisive third round, a little bit more. This is the third
3: round.
4: No, this is the second round now.
2: I second, get it. I Two okay. clips per round. Yes. Here Correct. we are. Okay. Here we are. Here we are. You get a
3: point for that. <laughs> I, at this point, I really need it.
2: Here we go. <laughs>
1: Es <tries> has got die and the streiche und the sun. it und and the trend and and the the trend and 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 the Es rock mit Tränen der Mose, wie sie sich schwingend tanzen und sehen. Okay. Mm-hmm. good.
4: Okay, we'll start this round with Giovanna. Um, First clip, Strauss or not Strauss?
3: Sounded too dippy. It sounded a little bit like Kurt Weil, so I'm going to say not Strauss.
4: Okay, second clip.
3: I'm going to say yes, Strauss, but late Strauss. Or later Strauss. And
4: can you identify... No and no. Okay. (laughs) Tobias.
5: I'm I'm actually going to do the same. I know we want variety on this show, but I didn't feel like the first one sounded Strauss at all
4: to me. And do you identify the other composer?
5: Ah. I, uh, I got nothing. No. Okay. All
4: right. So you can't identify either of these works.
5: <laughs>
2: no. Okay. Uh, this is this is I mean I'm no one I was supposed to be playing here, <laughs> yeah. but do I get to have a Sure, sure, okay. sure. The the first one is Strauss, uh and the second one is not. It's okay. um Seven Deadly Sins, Kurt yes. Vile, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, okay,
3: so they both had a vile feel. I had, said I'm that.
2: giving you a half a point, Giovanna, because you, yeah. you felt vile. I, <laughs> I felt vile. Yeah. She should get a half a point for that. Yeah. You were so close. But what the opera, the Strauss opera was for the first time? That one? was it's... the
4: Commedia dell'arte scene from yeah. Ariadne auf Naxos. Oh. So Ariadne Avnaxos Naxos was composed in 1916, and uh, Seven Brad, Deadly wait, Sins, huh? which is a sung ballet uh, that was hmm. composed in 1933. So Vile is clearly working in the vaudeville cabaret medium. Comedian Harmonist, all those things. And uh, Strauss was making those noises way before, almost like 20 years before that, you know, in his imitation of a Comedidillarte troupe.
3: The strings just sounded so strauss in the second one. It, I was like, oh, no, that's not Strauss. Sounded, and then the strings came in, and I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, the vial oh, exactly. sounded,
4: sounded more romantic, actually. That, than, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Strauss was really trying to go for this comedy, for, like, this, like, street, the street
3: right. troupe, you know?
5: Okay. Um, well, well, I think knowing that context... Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense that it was him. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. When the strings came in in the second one, I was like, oh, damn, well, that's the sound I was looking for the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
4: so the first uh, recording was from the Kurt Mazur recording of the opera. And the second was, once again, on Sophie von Otter with uh, John Elliott Gardner.
2: Can I just say, I would kill to do Seven Deadly Sins? That is such a great piece. And if it were not for the Kurt Vile Foundation forbidding everyone to do it unless you have the full orchestra. I would have made it a reality at this point. I would but be was, a deadly sin yeah. Yeah, thought, I've, someone, heard, I've heard a production you. done recently around here with a, a accordion. Dead. Well, then those people should go to jail because okay. that's illegal.
3: <laughs>
4: they should go to thought <laughs> jail.
2: They should.
3: Artistic jail.
2: We are going to leave you guys hanging okay. our beloved listeners on who's going uh, to Got to make up points in the final round, There's you guys. There's a lot guys. to be made up for. <laughs> Keep it right here on Opera Box Score 89.3 FM. WNUR, Evanston, Chicago We'll be right back Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score, America's talk radio show about opera. Now I hear you saying opera ain't your thing, but get this. We tackle everything about opera and body slam it into a sports radio setup. The result? 60 minutes of in-depth analysis, outrageous opinions, and good, clean fun. You might even learn something. Opera class, sports radio crass. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9
0: on WNUR. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Pop quiz! Oh boy,
2: back here on Opera Box Score, oh boy. and and it is. This is this is the bloodbath that I thought it would be. <laughs> George, 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 George. Can I tell you something? He's
3: not that far away, Toby. You may. <laughs>
5: here you I now that we're back from break, just want to let you guys know that I am in the lead. (laughs) So what what are the points? Uh, I have one and a point five for Giovanna. Giovanna (laughs) Has half a point. That's right.
3: All right.
4: You, you got a pity point.
3: (laughs) Uh,
5: Woo!
4: Okay, You'd so here's. Say
5: vile, though. I haven't won anything for a while. Just let me have this. <laughs> okay, fine. You can
4: have so it. here is our final clip. No singing, just instrumental music, folks. <laughs> okay. Basically.
3: Okay. I feel confident. <laughs> no, I here don't. Here we go. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, well, I guess there was, there was some singing in that. <laughs> kind of critical singing, I would add. Yeah. If you were yeah, listening exactly. really closely. <laughs> okay.
4: I'm Wait, gonna, can I go for a section? We'll, we'll do it together. Uh, you On the count of three. First clip, Strauss or no, it's not Strauss. One, two, three. No. 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 Good. <laughs>
3: George, you're not Se- supposed to be playing.
4: Second clip, Strauss or not Strauss. Yes.
2: One,
3: two, three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, okay. can I tell you why? Yes, because he said Electra. <laughs> <laughs> good, good ear. And also, the first one sounds too Russian. Is it Russian?
4: Okay, so mm. let's get the points going over here. So you're saying this. wait. Second, hold on, though. Yeah, I also yeah yeah heard yeah. Him I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, So so you're saying that the first clip was not was not Strauss. Strauss. Okay, so that means the second clip was yeah. And you're in agreement with her.
5: Yes, and I also think the second clip was Electra.
4: Good. What do you think the second clip was? Electra. I told you. Okay. Good. So we're finally racking up some points over here. Okay, so we've got so two was, and
3: one point five.
4: Yeah. So uh, who, no no
5: no 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 no. I got four. You, you
4: both got five, you wait, wait you both just you both got two points. Calm down. What was the other composer? Do either of you know? Oh,
3: I'm not Do I to get say a half it. a point for guessing the nationality?
4: No. Ouch. But you want to say Russian?
3: No, I want Toby to go first. Okay. I didn't think about it. Okay.
4: Okay. <laughs> composer, come on.
2: Three, two, How many guesses one. do you get? One. Toby, got you got to say something. Okay. Giovanna. So you don't...
3: What? Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. George, okay, that's fine. That's it. Me. It's not,
4: not going to happen. We're good. So Tobias is our winner with three points. You're 2.5. Good You're job. so, so good job, close. Toby. George, do you want to <laughs> weigh in on what you think the second uh, one or the other clip was?
2: It's, well, it's funny because I thought when I listened to the first clip, I thought it was Zalame. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. then obviously I realized it wasn't the Strauss one. Is it Berg? It's the opening of Turandot. What?
4: what? Yeah, That's Puccini, right. his last opera in 1924. Oh, man. I clearly so hard ripping on off lecture. I mean, mm-hmm. Elektra opening and Turandot opening, it could be the same opera if you just stretch it out a little bit. In my know? head, oh, my when gosh. you said that, I was like, "Roll
5: that clip again, George." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah,
4: that was Puccini really stretching wow. himself there, trying to make something sound really Good exotic. For Puccini. You know? so, yeah, Good for Puccini. Yeah, he was all right. That Puccini. Well, <laughs> nice. so was so
2: was Strauss. You know? So was Strauss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I read this book over the summer. Good
1: job. Aww. Thank you, guys. And I don't read a
2: lot of books, but <laughs> we know. Um, I have to recommend it. It's by Alec Ross, the uh, music critic for The New Yorker. And the book is called The Rest is Noise A History of 20th Century Music. Mm-hmm. And his whole argument is like, it all begins with Richard Strauss. And it kind of all ends with him as well. Like, the 20th century is kind of his century. And this variety of music we've just listened to, I think, really pays testament to that.
4: Yeah, we got everything here. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that exciting opening to Electra. I mean, Electra is less than 90 minutes long. It's about like 80 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So go on Saturday. Go see it. And it, you, it might not be your cup of tea, but it's one of the most dramatic operas of all time. And it's so short. And there's so much action, and it's uh, it's just a really amazing show to see. So
2: cool. Well, Oliver, you were uh you went to a show, right? As well. Oh, we're going to so next see, qu- Okay, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna step aside for one quick second, okay. give a shout All out right. to so, um. Segue. Folks, give us the number eight four seven eight six six W N U R. The number here in the studio, and you can also leave us a message if you're the shy type. Two two four two one eight nine box that's two two four two one eight nine two six nine give us uh what you're thinking email score at gmail.com
0: we'll be right back opera class sports radio crass this is opera box score who made the grade here's monday evening quarterback <laughs>
2: Monday Evening Quarterback, the segment where we have a very uh, unerudite discussion of a performance, and in, we just panned out some letter grades, basically. And- um,
5: speaking of letter grades.
2: Yes. You all get Fs.
5: Because it's your I'm, birthday, and we forgot. No, oh.
3: <laughs> no, but it's Jared Gary's birthday. Happy birthday, Jared. Yes, um, birthday,
5: Jared. what I was going, yeah, happy birthday, dude, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someday we become friends. He's a, he's a Filipino tenor. Come oh, on. well, I love him then. Yeah. No, but what I was gonna say is account. you all fail because I'm pretty sure I'm like undefeated in the Pop quizzes? That can't, oh, and all what be. three
3: times that you've <laughs> taken a pop quiz sp- here on the Home Rock
5: Score? Maybe it's because I you're have that opera genius. I mean, that, no, them, but I'm not. not. That's the why. That's <laughs> why you all fail. <laughs> it's because I keep winning these quizzes, and I should not be winning these quizzes. <laughs> I'm a big, tall, dumb tenor.
4: Yeah, you got the Aida um, instrumental music. I was really impressed with that. You I mean, like you were that? just in Aida, so I guess you know. Okay, so um, it the end of the main opera season is. God, that was a bad setup. We are at the end of the main opera season here in Chicago. Lyric season is over. There are some chamber operas coming up. Uh, Chicago Fringe has uh, In the Penal Colony. In the Weenal and, Colony, I Yes, actually. In the Penis weenal. Colony. And yes. uh, Haymarket has uh, La Callisto coming up. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Ricardo Muti has been filling the void around this time of year by putting on a concert version of a Verdi opera. And uh, he's done three of these Verdi operas in a row that are based on Shakespeare. And this is the last in that series. It's Falstaff, which is Verdi's last opera. And I was lucky enough to see it on Thursday, April 21st, which is the first of their three performances. Uh, their third performance is tomorrow, if you're listening to this live, tomorrow, Tuesday, April 26th. And um, I encourage you very strongly to go because it was amazeballs. Um, I am not a fan of Falstaff. My major complaint with Falstaff is that it's not, there's not enough aria in it. And, you know, moments go by so quickly, and, uh, you know, the mood changes on a dime, and it really does feel, in a way, like a throwback to Monody, and that, you know, it's just it's just so much declamation and so much dialogue, and very few moments for lyricism. And when you do get lyricism, it's amazing, it's mm. Verdi, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really about the orchestra this show, and I think that it was right of Muti to put this, uh, you know, to, to do this particular opera, because... It's so instrumental this opera, and it's amazing. He's, um, he's got a pretty good band. Yeah, Chicago Show. <laughs> I think they're doing all right. Those kids over there. <laughs> I mean, I was just counting. I, I didn't count the violins because there were way too many. But I was like standing on, on stage left. Or I, I was my audience was on stage left, and there were ten cellos wow. and eight string basses on stage with the singers. I if you if I had ten cellos behind me, you couldn't hear a note that I sang.: Yeah. So and like this band is usually much smaller and usually in the pit. So to have the band on stage with the singers and for the singing to be as good as it was was remarkable. And this is
2: an idea that Muti is trying to play on. I think into the future, right? Isn't he going to do more of these I sort of hope concert so. Opera I mean, versions? like
4: the. Level of preparation of the orchestra and of the singers, for that matter, was so high, and the musicianship musicianship so high that I want to hear all of these shows done this way. Really? Yeah. So you're yeah. giving you think A's that there's across any... the
2: board for orchestra and for singers. The, well, Mooty
4: was amazing. You know, he just had an accident, just had a fall or something like that, and like he's had some health issues, uh, but he was so energetic and so athletic in this thing. And like I said, it changes. The mood of this thing changes so quickly, and he was like. Dancing out there, and the orchestra was responding so quickly to what he wanted. And it just was amazing to watch this energy coming out of this guy. And uh, the orchestra just was in love with it. They were like watching so carefully. He even played with them and he like leaned into some sections and he got them to smile. And it's like, it was like a big party. That's what to say. Like, this show was like a party. There were so many instrumentals on the stage, so many singers on the stage, and the audience was almost sold out and just felt like we were all in this room together. That's how it should lis- be. Listening to and Ricardo Muti. Like, and isn't
5: that beautiful? And that's what Verdi, when he was writing Falstaff, mm-hmm. that's what he wanted it to be. Were you ever in Falstaff? No. There's, okay. No Falstaff for me. But I like, I that's one of the big things that I've been wanting so much more of with opera performances is mm-hmm. that it's that kind of celebration of the moment of the yeah. music of the people of the of the band. Yeah, you know, and like that's so awesome. I, my question for you was, uh, I what what were the two other operas that he did? The Shakespeare uh, ones, Macbeth
4: and Othello. Okay, yeah.
5: So. Do you think that CSO works in partnership with the lyric? I, I don't know how far ahead they, these people are. Some playing. of these people
4: are not lyric singers. I mean, well, but I'm yeah. saying
5: as far as repertoire.
4: Yeah, well, Muti, um, you know, is he hired the cast? He hired an all Italian cast, right? And he worked with some of these singers outside of Chicago preparing for this. Um, but are you asking if their season uh, is necessarily? You know, is lyric planning with CSO yeah, and not like, do the same shows? Yeah,
5: I wonder if that happens. I think even got, though I, Chicago is a huge city yeah. and with a giant thriving music scene, at least with those p- two particular venues, I wonder they're yeah, the if two they big pillars. Tra- yeah. Right. I wonder if they try. Not I to would step hope on that somebody others. on the
4: board is also <laughs> on the board of Lyric and they talk. Hey, you know, I was just at this meeting, and I think they're doing that right. opera. You know, but these things are planned out like five, six years in yeah. advance. So I don't know. Maybe they've just been getting lucky, but they're mm-hmm. only doing one opera at a time. And it's just such an expensive thing to do because this cast you know there's like ten principal roles, and right. there's like chorus, yeah, right. and they have to like bring in a mandolin player and like you know and it's just gigantic and then they take it on they took the other one on tour, so like to Carnegie Hall or something like that, so this is a really, really expensive endeavor i don't know, I doubt that tickets alone could pay for oh, no. what it costs to no. put this thing on so. My
2: question for you is what's your letter grade on like how funny was it? I mean, I think it's supposed okay. to be comic
4: it is and I think this opera probably works best on stage and concert version is not great. But Ambrogio Maestri, who is the leading Falstaff of our time, has been singing this role, I think, since 2001 and coached it with Muti when he was first learning it. Hmm. Uh, this, this is a master class in acting for the stage. I mean, like he gave so much gesture, but the smallest gestures, facial expressions, movements, touching himself, you know, just leaning over, winking at the other cast members. Everything contained within his little box on the stage, he did it. He didn't mm-hmm. have to walk around and like histrionics. It was just so contained, but hilarious. This Hearing guy. Hearing you talk is, about it makes me want to see if I can get a ticket for it, tomorrow. This guy yep. is a comic genius. I would, I would watch him sing anything. Like I can imagine him in like Don Pasquale or like Doctor Bartolo. Anything that's like one of those kind of older, chubby, yeah. <laughs> <in a> face <laughs> roles. <clears throat> the other stars of the show, I have to say. Uh, were Eleonora Buratto, who was Alice, who doesn't have an aria proper, but sort of is like the main antagonist of the female characters. Uh, beautiful tone quality. She reminds me so much of Dorothea Rochman uh, with that really you know consistent core to the voice that's mm. so in tune, but then that gets warm, and you don't expect a voice that warm to sail as high as as she does. And there's a lot of like you know quick singing there, it's like staccati and stuff like that that she did so accurately. It was amazing. But the person who actually stole the show from everybody was the only singer who has a proper aria in the show uh, which is the Nanetta sung by Rosa Feola Hmm. who's been singing a lot here at the CSO. She's been starring in the Mahler 4 that they've been putting on this past couple of weeks. And she sang Nanetta and it's the only proper aria, the Sulfil aria, the aria of the fairies. And I've heard that thing sung a thousand times if I've heard it once. I mean, it's something that all sabrettes learn and you hear it in masterclass, you hear it in vocal recitals, whatever. This woman floated those notes so pristinely with so much presence of sound, but so intense. It was delicate. It was feminine. It put the entire room, which was in hysterics for the show. It was so boisterous. Everybody went silent to listen to this thing. You could hear a pin drop. It was a magical moment. I mean, I probably was crying. I don't even know because I was enjoying it so much. But <laughs> I think there was like some warm liquid on my face. So
2: she oh gets, she gets, she gets my top,
4: she gets top vocal honors, Rosa Feola. But Ambrogio Maestri, it is. He spilled is, his coffee. Is it is saying. his show and it is Muti's show. If you can see this thing tomorrow. I mean, there's actually a We've concert tomorrow. Toby. There's this thing called Petite Musique Collective, which oh. is doing a concert at the Swedish American Museum. I, mean I would that, go guys. see that too. But if you can get a ticket to Fall staff, that is my recommendation, folks.
2: We are going to wrap this show up. And one second right after this, keep it here for Good Call, Bad Call, coming up.
0: You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho. Tobias Wright and Giovanna Jacques. Good Call, Bad Call on Opera Box Score.
2: All right, time to wrap this show up with Good Call, Bad Call. Oliver, what do you got?
4: Well, we are recording this show from Northwestern University, and I feel like it's our duty to kind of serve this community. Um, this is the end of the year for a lot of vocal students and you're getting a lot of recitals and you should go check out a recital if you're there. Why not support your local singer. But what I'm going to plug is a big event that's happening here at Northwestern. Uh, Matthew Polanzani is singing De Shunna with pianist Alan Darling this Saturday. And then he gives a masterclass to the voice students here on Sunday. So it's a weekend of Polanzani here at Northwestern.
5: Tobias, right? I think that's a great good call, actually. And if you've never heard DeSchenna Miller, it's worth it. Um, and uh, Alan's a great pianist. Matthew is a great singer. My good call is actually what we had talked about earlier. Um, uh, Francesco Anile going on as a cover. George and I discussed covers and, I, and my belief in the importance of them and what it is uh, to be a cover in the business. And I think it's fantastic to have an example go on at the Met and succeed on such short notice my
3: good call is that Seattle native and Chicago beloved Janae Bridges um, just sang for the Grammy Salute to Music Legends uh, concert. Well, she taped it and it's um, it's going to be airing in the fall. So on she's the TV? Really, yeah, on the TV. Oh, my gosh. So she's really working her way up <laughs> and she's. I'm, we're all really happy for her. We're
2: going to have a viewing party. <laughs> bad call for me. I I cannot believe that Prince has died.
3: <laughs> Wait, no, don't. That, that's my crystal ball.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. I take George, it back. That can still be bad call Prince died. <laughs> no, Game it is, it is horrible. Yeah. That's it for tonight's show. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at VoxerShorts.com. Thanks, that's V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. For WNUR, our programming director is Vil Shone, and the general manager is Maddie Higgins. Our theme song is Vodka inferno written and performed by the diablo swing orchestra you can follow us on facebook and twitter by searching for opera box score be sure to like our facebook page and if you know people who would enjoy our show Help us spread the word by sharing our posts. You can always email us at operaboxscore at gmail.com. On our website, operaboxcore.squarespace.com, you can search archived episodes and learn more about our team. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Hey, look, don't just listen to it. Be a grown-up. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Our next episode will be yours for the taking on Monday, May 1st. Do not miss it. I'm George Cedarquist asking you to continue the conversation about opera with your besties Street Beat is up next you're listening to WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's Sound Experiment, Giovanna, what's in the opera crystal ball this week?
3: Um, Two things, Uh, Monday is actually May 2nd and the second crystal ball is that (laughs) um, within the next three months there will be an opera written for Prince
5: Boo, don't do it